0: The horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Road Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and back roads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen. Glad to have you with us for another episode of Trip Talk. Today, we are going to learn... All the things we didn't know and be reminded of some things we did know and have always appreciated about a true American icon. Of course, I'm talking about David Crockett. Of course, you say, isn't it Davy Crockett? Thereby hangs a tail and also a coonskin cap. We'll get into that with editor and writer Jess Winfield. Good to have him back with us. Jess Winfield is an American novelist, self-help author, television writer, and voice actor who is also a founding member of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. Oh, by the way, he also is an editor and contributor for American Road Magazine. Jess Winfield, so happy to have you back with us.
1: Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me, Gary.
0: Oh, a delight. And particularly in this case, we're talking about David Crockett. I saw that. The new issue is out. Summer 2020 issue of American Road digitally in the print edition as well. Amazing stuff, as always. And, Jess, I went right to your article, King of the Wild Frontier, and I said to myself, I've got to get Jess on as soon as possible. David Crockett, the focus of your multi-piece article. Now, I think most people, particularly if you're old enough to remember the biopic provided by Disney, iconic in its own right, we think of him as Davy Crockett. But back in the day, if I understand your piece correctly, if you were to say, hey, Davy Crockett, he'd turn around and ask, who are you calling Davy? <laughs>
1: It's true. There's, uh, you know, we have no idea what his uh, what his father or his, his wives called him uh, in private moments. Um, but uh, publicly, uh, there's no record of him ever having used uh, the diminutive Davy. It was always it was always David, whether he was a, a frontiersman, congressman, or a soldier in the Texas Revolution. David Crockett
0: and David Crockett deserves his place in the pantheon of American greats. That was really brought home to me as I read your piece, again, called King of the Wild Frontier. Perfect title for that article. Let's think in terms of all the places that memorialize and celebrate David Crockett. A lot of our folks are from the south and the midwest this podcast is heard all around the world but man people love to go to tennessee and if we got a tour for you what i learned from reading your article jess is that if you go to tennessee you could actually plan a david crockett tour yeah
1: david david crockett uh, has been uh, adopted by his home state of, of tennessee uh for every every dollar they can um, get out of get out of the tourist and the david Crockettier, Um they're uh from uh Green County um where the David Crockett birthplace state park is um, to uh Lawrenceburg where he lived and worked um, and during the years that he was uh, uh representing ten- uh Tennessee in in, in US Congress um, there are there are dozens of sites that you can visit, really.
0: And reading the article, I found out that there are seven sites, you could almost call them sacred sites in a way, that are dedicated to the memory, the achievements, the life of David Crockett. And most of them are Tennessee, though inevitably, Any tour or appreciation of David Crockett will take you to Texas and the Alamo. And we certainly want to leave room for a discussion of that climactic and final event of his life. But to get started, if we're going to make the tour of seven sites, that would be recommended for anyone who loves American history and particularly the history of the American frontier. Tell us about David Crockett Birthplace State Park. Now, that's in Greene County, Tennessee.
1: Yeah, and, uh, you know, if you're if you're familiar with the song, you know that David Crockett was born on a mountain in Tennessee. Um, only two things wrong with that. First of all, he wasn't born on a mountain, and second of all, uh, the place that he was born wasn't even in Tennessee at the time. It was actually um, uh, part of uh, uh, Western uh, Carolina territory. Um, it is now, however, in Greene County, and you can go there and... Um, see the uh, see a, a recreation of um, of the type of cabin that um, Davy David um, I should say uh, might have toddled in when he was a toddler um, at the age when he you know supposedly killed that bar uh, at the age <laughs> of three um, it's a humble it's a humble little thing it's uh, you know classic frontier one room cabin um, and uh, you know you can you can go there and have a look at. Um, Well, of course, a little history of his life, and uh, the ubiquitous, as I found in uh, checking out all these places, the ubiquitous bearskin hanging on the wall, which presumably is the actual bear that he killed when he was only three.
0: I'm quite sure. (laughs) <laughs> and that's that's something about the, the lore of David Crockett is that history competes with legend in trying to depict him in heroic terms. That's part of the fun of researching him, I'm quite sure. And you use the word ubiquitous, Jess. Another ubiquitous item, and I don't know how often or when he started wearing one, but when people think of David Crockett, Davy Crockett, they think of that coonskin cap.
1: The coonskin cap, yes, uh, there is also the actual coonskin cap that David Crockett wore in just about every one of these sites. Um, <laughs> but uh, the, the funny part is that he, um, he actually didn't start wearing a coonskin cap until, uh, I believe it was 1831, when a, um, a Broadway play about him launched with a thinly disguised uh, David Crockett character named Nimrod Wildfire um, who uh, did all sorts of Crockett-like adventures and um, bombast in in the play, and he wore a coonskin cap. David Crockett was never known to have worn a coonskin cap up until the time when he saw that show. He was ushered into the theater, uh, given a balcony seat, and uh, Nimrod Wildfire, dressed in coonskins and coonskin cap, came to the edge of the stage and bowed to him, and everybody laughed and applauded, and Crockett stood up in the balcony and bowed back. And from that point on, whenever he was on a book tour or doing other publicity uh, stunts, he was known to wear a coonskin cap. So it actually went from, um, uh, it wasn't art imitating life, it was life imitating art in that case
0: life imitating art and just that example indicates to me a very early example of celebrity culture Uh, is it fair to say that david crockett actually achieved a kind of celebrity status with all of the legends fueling that of course but nevertheless he was kind of a superstar
1: yeah he was truly uh truly a a legend in his own time and and probably america's first um, uh, living living legend, literally. Um, you know, you think of, of uh, equivalents today of, you know, um, uh, I don't know. Well, <laughs> uh, President Donald Trump um, has, you know, sort of made his own story uh, about himself and sells that to the American public. Um, here in Los Angeles, Angeline, famous for nothing other than being famous, the Kardashians. Uh, likewise, they have this, this legendary status, and Crockett really struggled in his life um, with, with uh, separating the, the individual that he was from the legend that he also was. There's this series of David, Davy Crockett almanacs um, that came out, which depicted him as what we would consider superhero. Um, it, it's equivalent to today's Marvel comics. There are literally stories of him um, uh, climbing the Alleghenies to tear the uh, tail off of Holly's Comet to keep it from scorching the earth. This um, happened while he was alive and while he was, still, while he was still going out in public. He rode an alligator, his pet alligator, up Niagara Falls, you know, um, sort of real, real comic book stuff. And he struggled with, um, well, I some not say he struggled with it, but he certainly um, used it to his advantage. He was not above um, using that stature that he gained from those stories uh, to promote his own somewhat difficult life.
0: And I take it that he did little or nothing to dissuade people from believing these tall tales. It was part of the celebrity cult.
1: Yeah, I mean... <laughs> You know, and and he co-opted plenty of that stuff. Um, he was even a lot of the lines um, that are attributed to him um, from that time were actually lines from the Broadway play, and he oh, really? made um, <laughs> no effort to do, to distill the fact that some of his best bon mots uh, were not penned by him but by the Broadway playwright.
0: All better to serve the legend. If you're still within Tennessee, and it's quite a circuit that people can make as a road trip. It's a remarkable one. Let's go to the second place. And this your wonderful article is multi-piece so that you can appreciate as much or as little with each reading of King of the Wild Frontier. There's another place that bears mentioning, pardon the pun, Crockett, (laughs) Crockett Tavern Museum. Now, this is in Morristown, Tennessee.
1: Right, correct. Uh, the Crockett Tavern Museum is where um, uh, <laughs> David and his family, led by his father, um, moved uh, to this location and um, and opened a tavern on uh, rented land. David's father was really sort of one of these these hard luck businessman types where he had big dreams and big schemes to make money. Uh, and they sort of invariably fell through. but the tavern he kept going for for quite a while, um, just barely. He actually he actually reminds me so much, I don't know if any of your listeners will be familiar with um, the television series, the HBO television series, uh, Ray Donovan. Um, HBO Showtime, one of those. Um, in Henry Ray Donovan, uh, John Voigt plays um, plays the father of the main character, and he's this. Hustler always got a plan, and um, uh, can uh, sell just about anything to anyone except to his family who ends up constantly uh, bearing the brunt of his of his bad decision making and that's really sort of what David Crockett's father was like. Um, the tavern uh, that he operated there um, was dependent on young young David going out and providing the game for the board um, uh, for the, for the meals for the for the guests uh, at the tavern, uh, and uh, that is where he really honed his, which were genuine, um, his amazing bear hunting chops. Um, it's said, and I believe it's true, that he killed 183 bears during the course of one season um, when he was uh, a young teenager, teenager, um, providing the food for the cabin, and then his father sold him to a passing uh, merchant, (laughs) sold him into service. Uh, one day he's providing the bear meat and the next day he's on the road with a traveling Dutchman who he served under in sort of indentured servitude for uh, six months before escaping and making his way back home. Where he was then welcomed, hey, welcome back. Sorry, we sold you into servitude. Uh, We need some bear for tonight's meal.
0: (laughs) That's incredible too, because uh, there's a key point there. His, the means for bringing him back home were not relevant. Young David had to find his way back.
1: Yeah, exactly. And you know, his his story as a young man really is one of uh, all manners of, of genuine adventures like that. Um, uh, you know, there is a reason why he was a, um, a notable. Uh, Indian fighter and frontiersman and hunter and tracker. Um, He really did know his way around the woods.
0: In Lawrence County, Tennessee, there are a couple of places that people can visit, and I want to make sure that people distinguish. There is downtown Lawrenceburg, again, Lawrence County, Tennessee. There also is David Crockett State Park, and that is separate from David Crockett Birthplace State Park, two venues.
1: Right. Like I say, uh, Tennessee um, loves to use the David Crockett name. Um, So uh, downtown Lawrenceburg, uh, there's a a replica of his office that he kept in Lawrenceburg during the time that he was mostly in in Washington, D.C., the senator who represented Lawrenceburg. Um, but he would come back and he had a, he had a, a mill operation on the river nearby where the state park is, but he kept an office in downtown Lawrenceburg. Um, and there's some, um, uh, in the, I think it was in the 1930s, there was in uh, 1830s, there was a, uh, an old woman who remembered, um, who remembered his cabin and drew a sketch of it. And, um, the cabin that's there is based on that, the office, um, there's a bear rug, uh, hanging on the wall in there, I believe, um, that is the actual bear that he killed when he was only three. Um, and then
0: <laughs> there uh, too, about seven
1: miles, seven miles away on the on the river, um, there is uh, the uh, the David Crockett um, State Park, and it's it's a by all accounts, it's just an extraordinary. Place. It's uh, known as one of the most beautiful state parks in Tennessee, if not in the USA. Has all sorts of amenities, boat rentals, and a restaurant that sounds amazing. Um, but it also is notable for containing a portion of the Trail of Tears, um, the uh, where the the most devastating um, march, death march of uh, Cherokee. People um, were led in 1838 um, with uh, fantastic uh, numbers of, of, of dead due to disease and dehydration and malnutrition. Um, and I, I, I believe that Crockett would have been um, really touched by the fact that that is there um, because he was – Although you might know him as an Indian fighter, in fact, when he was in Congress and um, during his whole life, he fought for the rights of indigenous people uh, in America. He believed that they should um, uh, have land rights um, uh, on their existing uh, natives' locations. Um, He opposed um, Andrew Jackson, who he fought for in the Indian Wars. he opposed Andrew Jackson's policies of relocation of of indigenous peoples, um, and actually turned against Jackson um, when he was in Congress, specifically because of that issue. Uh, so I, it's really it's really poignant that that there's a, a, a section of the Trail of Tears with some pretty amazing um, educational um, uh, material that you can that you can visit in the state park that's named after him.
0: And the implications for, and thank you for explaining it in that way, Jess, the implications of the Trail of Tears and the principled stance that I think in part, if not formed a major part of his reelection defeat, because he was a congressman for a time. There, and his support right. for Andrew, Andrew Jackson, he supported and then opposed on this critical issue. That will take us all the way to, the, to Texas and the Alamo. And I want to make sure we allow enough time for that incredible material you provide and insight that I absolutely knew nothing about prior to reading your article around the Alamo experience, the climactic and fatal event of David Crockett's life. The Trail of Tears. As a part of that park, that would be just heartbreaking to see, but so important. I did want to give some passing mention, at least to the David Crockett Cabin in Rutherford, Tennessee. If you're in Tennessee and you're into David Crockett, that's the place for you. But the story, of course, doesn't end there. I just thought I should mention that there is a David Crockett Cabin. And then the story of Davy Crockett, David Crockett, who was a great man, a principled man, and a fighting guy, he decided that he would go, and I believe this was after he lost his seat in Congress, he decided that he would go to Texas to seek his fortune for himself and his family. But before he got to the Alamo in San Antonio, he passed through Honey Grove and Nacogdoches, Texas, and there they still celebrate him today.
1: Yeah, they celebrate him today. He, uh, as soon as he crossed the Red River and got into Texas, he immediately wrote to his family and said, uh, "This is the place. The buffalo come through here uh, twice a year. Uh, there were n- there were no bison left east of the Mississippi where he was from. Um, he loved uh, he loved the area. He loved the verdancy. Uh, he loved the the hunting opportunities, and um, he loved uh, the fact that there was lots of land." That the um, incipient Texas government um, would give a large grant of for anyone who volunteered to fight in the Texian army in the in the Texas rebellion. Um, so he jumped on that, being struggling with money as he did, like his father, through his whole life. Um, the the thought of getting uh, four thousand plus acres of Land for nothing more than um, going out and using his rifle against some foreigners as he uh, had earlier in his life uh, was an uh, an offer he couldn't refuse
0: and so then he comes to the Alamo and Jess just- There, We have a good five or six minutes, and I hope we use them very well because people need to understand the Alamo is not simply a tourist attraction. It doesn't simply evoke nostalgia. There was real conflict of mind there. And I'm talking about not only echoing the Trail of Tears and the individual rights of men and women. At the Alamo, David Crockett went to fight for individual liberty, but he was doing it. In the company of people, or at the behest of individuals, including Stephen F. Austin, if I recall correctly, who actually intended that Texas, be it a republic, be it a state, should employ slavery in the pursuit of its own destiny, and he was not a man in favor of slavery at all.
1: No, he um, well it's in it's uh, as uh, everything with Crockett is it's complex and does not um, does not succumb to easy sort of of labels of uh hero patriot or um, uh, slave owner uh, Crockett had was known to have a couple of slaves during the course of his life never many because he had never had enough land <laughs> uh to justify it but um, uh Texas was uh, at, decreed by Stephen uh by Stephen Austin Austin, Texas is named after, um, it was going to have to be a sl- slave state. If it was going to be part of the United States, which was uh, the plan, um, it was going to be a southern state, it was going to be dependent on cotton, and 100% had to be a slave state to be economically viable. What's interesting is that, um, <laughs> conversely, and I'm going to quote from the article. Um, Conversely, Mexico was, if anything, more staunchly abolitionist than was the Union during the American Civil War. Just weeks before the Battle of the Alamo, a Mexican general asked rhetorically regarding Texian slaves, shall we permit in those shall we permit those wretches to moan in chains any longer in a country Mexico whose kind laws protect the liberty of man without distinction of caste or color? And that general, none other than the Mexican dictator Santa Ana. So, at least publicly, part of his fight was an abolitionist fight against uh, uh, against Texian slavery.
0: And this is coming from Santa Ana.
1: Yeah, yeah. Which is just uh, you know, <laughs> it really is worth a deep dive into into Crockett's life, um, if if only that he was he lived at. Such an exciting time. He was born only, um, I think it was six years after the end of the Revolutionary War, and um, is really in the midst of this giant geopolitical um, battle over control of this economic powerhouse that is going to be uh, the North American continent. And it spans the globe from uh, the Napoleonic Wars to the War of 1812 to um, internecine. Um, uh creek uh, uh and uh cherokee indian what it's it's and then you bring in mexico you bring in spain it's um it's it's really fascinating stuff and, and he's sort of uh, um, whether he's an important cog in it all i'm i'm not sure but he sure is at the center of it um which is where he'd like to be
0: Yes. Yes, indeed. And please tell us, finally, how did David Crockett, if there is agreement on exactly how it happened, how did he meet his demise?
1: Yeah, well, uh, the answer is there are conflicting stories, uh, as with just about everything about David Crockett. Um, the the sort of received um, wisdom, according to, a, there were only two survivors of, of the Battle of the Alamo. Um, one was, uh, the commander, William Travis's slave named Joe, and, um, there was another woman who had been hiding, and they both agreed that David Crockett, um, they, they didn't see him die, but, uh, they saw his mutilated corpse surrounded by the corpses of, of a dozen Mexican soldiers. Um, and, uh, that is sort of the, the legend. There is also um, Sam Houston actually said that uh, five, uh, five to seven um, men survived the battle by hiding and surrendered uh, and asked for quarter, quarter and Santa Ana um, uh, had his soldiers murder them. And in 1975, a diary, 683-page diary um, by one of Santa Ana's soldiers surfaced that corroborates that story. That um, uh, specifically lists David Crockett among um, the people who surrendered and uh, were summarily executed by Santa Anna. Of course, Texas is not happy to hear that story, um, right? And there's a lot of a lot of dispute about that um, as well. And uh, you know, scholars are still hashing it out.
0: I can't thank you enough for joining us today, Jess Winfield. You have brought an American icon to life. There is so much more to learn, but a great start it is between the covers of American Road Magazine, the current issue, Summer 2020, and Jess Winfield's King of the Wild Frontier. I look forward to our next visit on Trip Talk. Jess. Thanks again so much.
1: Thanks for having me, Gary. Have a good one.
0: We are getting ready to say goodbye, ladies and gentlemen, but I have a question for you. Have you ever wanted to know what the weather will be for your next road trip? Drive Weather is a new app that shows the forecast for your route. It's incredibly simple to use and is available on Apple and Android. Drive Weather. Download it now for a safer road trip wherever you go. Thanks for tuning in once again to American Road Trip Talk, along with Thomas and Becky representative co-founders of American Road Magazine. We remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current issue of American Road Magazine. Until next week, dream well, and of course, drive safely on the American road.